good. We got a prayer request. Say Chris Smith with me. Chris Smith is from Basile. He has colon cancer, and now he has a bowel obstruction, and his meds are not working anymore. You know what that means? He's a perfect candidate for a miracle. He's in the perfect place to receive a miracle. Right, Miss Mary? Miss Mary was healed of cancer. Pastor Bubba was healed of cancer. God can do anything. Amen? So stretch your hands towards this card. I don't know Chris Smith, but we're going to believe God. God knows him, and God's got a purpose and a plan for his life. We believe that God's going to touch him today. Amen? Father, right now, Lord, we come to you for Chris Smith, Lord, and we just pray. Father, we rebuke the cancer in the name of Jesus, and we declare healing and wholeness over his body. All cancer, you must leave. We declare it on earth as it is in heaven. And, Father, we just declare his healing and peace within his body, Lord, that everything would line back up, all his bowel obstructions, and and he won't need the medication, so it don't matter if they work. Lord, we just pray that you heal him right now. In Jesus' name, touch him, make him whole, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, when I get sick, I want me to pray for me. See, I didn't get that. That was about as prideful and conceited as could be, right? You could have said amen. I'm a big boy. Well, welcome to our Savior's Church. If you're a first-time guest with us, we just want to say thank you for being here. Can we give them a big round of applause if you're a first-time guest? We ask you to fill out a card on the back of the seat in front of you, and we'll ask you to find Glenn out in the foyer right after service. You'll you'll find him. He's a good-looking, dark-skinned fellow. You can't miss him. Find Glenn. He's had, he has a, there he is. There's Glenn. Everybody turn around and see. There he is. Right there. See, I told you. Good looking. Right? So find Glenn after service, and uh, he'll have a gift for you, and we just appreciate you being here with us today. Uh, welcome, welcome back to our series entitled Battle. Uh, this is our third week in the series. Uh, the, first, the first week, week one, we talked about the day the war started. The day the war started in your life if you remember, just to refresh your memories, was the day that you gave your life to Jesus. The day that you gave your life to Jesus wholeheartedly was the day that you became an enemy of the enemy, right? It was a day that all hell started shaking because one more servant of God was made right with God, right? We talked about how you're made right. Now, if you're going to go into a battle, you need to know whose team you're on and where you belong and fit in that team, right? And we, we went through scripture over scripture over scripture that proves that if you give your life to Jesus and you believe in Jesus, then you are made right with God because of your faith, not because of your works, right? We all run out of works sooner or later. And when we run out of works, we start thinking, well, God doesn't love me anymore, right? That's where works get you. Now, we need to do good works, but we don't need to do good works with the intentions that that, that is going to make us right with God. When you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says you were then made right with God. You have right standing with God. He forgave you for your sins, and you are now one of his children, is what the Bible says. So so now you know whose team you're on, and you know where you fit in the team, and that you're a child of the general God. Now you're ready for battle, right? And so last week, we talked about what we're battling against and we, we talked last week about the flesh, and we, we talked about how the flesh speaks to us, right? Come on, did you hear your flesh this week? I missed breakfast Monday morning. 
By 10.30, my flesh was speaking. By 11 o'clock, it was screaming. It sounded like a baby. I don't know if yours speaks like that, but mine does. He's very obnoxious. And so we talked about how the flesh and its desires only leads to death. But if we're led by the spirit, it leads to life and peace. Right? We talked about that those who obey the commandments of God are actually led by the spirit of God. And how those who obey the flesh, the Bible actually says that you've become an enemy of God or you've become an instrument or a weapon against God. So you know what that means? That means that anytime you decide to jump in the flesh, you become an instrument for evil, a weapon for evil. Amen? Anybody jump in the flesh this week? You're slowly becoming honest. That's good. <laughs> Some of you didn't jump into the flesh this week, and I'm going, dear goodness, how'd you do that? Maybe you need to be preaching this morning, and I need to sit down. Just picking. We talked about how we battle against the flesh, and it's a constant war that goes on. And we, I read to you in the first week the, the discussion Paul had with himself or the argument Paul had that I want to do the right thing, but when I actually go and do something, it's the wrong thing. My heart wants to do the right thing, but I inevitably end up doing the wrong thing. And he talks about this war that's waged on the inside of him, right? And the Bible clearly says that if you're led by the Spirit of God, you're a child of God, and you're an instrument or a weapon for good. You seeing this? How we can become a weapon for evil or a weapon for good? Depending on the decisions we make, right? My kids, we were wrestling yesterday on the floor, and they love to wrestle. And Ethan was kicking, and you got to watch when you got two or three of them on the floor and you're wrestling, and one of them starts kicking, they usually end up hitting the other one in the face, right? Inevitably, in the face. Well, he kicks, and his foot literally goes into his sister's mouth. And he had just pulled his socks off, and we'd been working outside. So, I mean, it was gross. Okay, now Virginia, this happened to Virginia. She's my oldest. She's 13 years old. And she's got somewhat of her daddy's strength or weakness inside of her. She rose up. I'm telling you, I've never seen her do this before in my life. She jumped up. And she was going, I had to grab her. And her her brother was like. He He was running for his life. He knew he was about to get it. I said, Virginia, get out the flesh. Spirit, baby, spirit. I looked at him, I said, boy, you better stay away. (laughs) Might take a little while. (laughs) But we wage war against the flesh. Amen. And if we're led by the spirit of God, we'll obey his commandments and we'll be pleasing in his sight. And we'll be a weapon for good. You know what that means? That means you can accomplish good when you're a weapon for good. That means that God can use you to accomplish good on the earth when you're led by the Spirit of God. Amen? But the opposite is true when you're led by the flesh. And how that goes against what God wants to accomplish. Right? We all struggle with the flesh. There's not a person in here, whether you admit it or not, we all struggle with the flesh. It's tough. 
Flesh speaks loud. That's why you hear me constantly say you need to constantly pursue your relationship with Jesus. You need to stay in the presence of the Father. You need to stay in the Word of God. Amen? Stay in the Word. Stay in prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing. That means you never stop praying. I don't know if somebody, when you were coming up, told you that you needed to have a prayer time, and then you think that, okay, I allot 30 minutes a day to pray to God. Let me tell you something. That's fine, but I've come to to the understanding that I need to be praying constantly, right? Because, listen to this, the Bible says that the enemy walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He didn't say that he takes a break at night. He didn't say that he takes a break on Sunday. Because some of you went through hell just to get to church this morning. Right? Come on. You know how it is. You try to get up early. And what happens? Your flesh is tired. I don't want to go to church. That's what your flesh, that's what my flesh said this morning. I don't, I don't have nothing that fits. That's, I'm just telling you what my flesh said this morning. I, I don't, if you're laughing, I'm hoping you have the same problem or not, but. I don't want to get there early and play with the worship team. Come on. We've got to pray. We've got to stay in the presence of the Father. The enemy's always walking around looking for someone to devour. So you know what that means for us? We need to constantly be at war against the flesh, against the enemy, the devil. Let me make that clear. And this world. Amen? That's what we need to be at war against. And that's what he's called us to battle against. And that's the struggle we're going to go through. You've got to keep in your mind that you've been made right with God. When you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're right. Are you going to stumble? Yes. Are you going to fall? Yes. Are you going to blow it? Absolutely. I remember I had an employee a couple years ago, and, and I... You know me, I'm good about embarrassing myself. He did a bunch of stupid things, and I gave him grace, and I gave him grace, and I gave him grace, and it got to the point where there was no more grace left inside of me. Okay, I ran out of the fruit. My grace fruit was dead. And he did something else just extremely stupid. I went to his house, and I hadn't cursed in probably 15, 20 years. I walked into his house, and I full-on let loose 20 years of frustration. I cussed that boy up and down. And I'll be honest with you, it felt good. I ain't going to lie to you. It felt good for about 30 minutes. My flesh was rejoicing. Oh, whoo, you've been holding me back. Oh, for so long I've been wanting to say that word. You know what happened afterwards? I realized that I had a sword in my hand and I slashed him to pieces and I ripped him up and I repented and I apologized. I got on my face before God. It was it was so clear that when I did that, when I jumped into the flesh. My flesh just felt like glory. It was just, oh, yeah, baby, this is good. That's what my flesh felt like. And I believe the spirit man was crying. 
And for me, it was an opportunity to use a weapon of good or a weapon of evil, and I fell. Why do I say that? To say that you can fall, but you can get back up. It didn't kill me. It hurt me. It hurt the kingdom. One day I'll give an account for that. You follow me? I'll stand before Jesus and explain myself. But I got back up on my two feet. I repented. I did like like First John says, I, I confessed my sin and he was faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And I went on. You hear me? And that's where we have to be. We got to have the ability to go on when we fall. And you just got real quiet and you're making me real nervous because I confess that to you. I hope you think less about me. Let me give you a couple definitions because today we're talking about the love for this world and we're battling a love for this world. We love things of this world, don't we? Come on. How many of you love to go clothes shopping? How many of you had a, like I went to Tractor Supply yesterday, and if you call this number, you have a chance to win a $2,500 Tractor Supply card. I was like, call the number, man. $2,500 at Tractor Supply? Ladies, you might not feel me on that, but I know the men do. If it was a Dillard's card or a Macy's card, I'm sure you'd feel the same way. But we love the things of this world, right? We like nice things, don't we? Love nice cars. I love the smell of a new car. I wish my truck still smelled new, but it has almost 60,000 miles. It smells like me now. <laughs> we love houses, nice houses. We love to look good. I believe everybody loves to, to have things from this world. We love the, the food in this world, I, especially in this culture. I love the food. I think the only way I'm ever going to be skinny is I'm going to have to move north. And I mean like extremely north, Michigan or something, where food just don't taste the same. Because it's hard, right? And she had to use seasoning over here. <laughs> Let me give you a couple definitions of worldly. Worldly means secular, temporal, devoted to this life and its enjoyments. Bent on gain, human, common, belonging to the world. Worldliness means this, a predominant passion for obtaining the good things of this life, covetousness, addictedness to gain, and temporal enjoyments. There's a lot of big words in there, but I think you don't understand what it means. That you love this world so much that nothing else matters. You're so bent on gaining something that you've lost your soul. Are you seeing that? That's what the Bible means when it says that you've become worldly. Or when you should not love this world. Amen? Where's my Bible? Somebody have a New Living Translation Bible? I can borrow? I don't know what happened to my Bible. I brought it to church, I promise. Go with me to Romans 8.8. I want to give you the... uh, The key verse for this, for this series, Romans 8.8. 8. The 
says this, it says, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the spirit. If the spirit of God, I'm sorry, I read the wrong verse. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. That's our running verse for the series. Those that are controlled by the sinful nature slash flesh can never please God. You heard what I said a little while ago, that whenever I'm in the flesh, God's not pleased with me. Right? So that's our key verse. Now go with me to, to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. First John 2.15. If I preach real good today, I just might keep this Bible. <laughs> so y'all let me know if I preach real good. <laughs> I don't know what happened to my Bible. It's crazy. Chapter 2, verse, verse 15. Look at what it says. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. Wow. A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. John is giving us a warning not to fall in love with the things of this world. The things of this world are nice, aren't they? Listen, I have a nice truck. I have a nice home. I have nice things. I buy nice clothes. I shop at nice places. Okay, but I'm not in love with those things. They don't control me. My truck does not keep me away from Jesus. Amen? Let's not twist this thing up and think that you can't have anything. Follow what I'm saying. It's just like when the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not the money, it's the love of the money. Are you following me? So he's saying, do not love this world or the things of this world. That's where you get in trouble is when they become your passion, they become your pleasure, they take the place of God. Right? That's when we get into trouble. Are you seeing this? So do not love this world or the things of, the, of this world, because if you love this world, then the love of the Father is not in you. That means that you've come to a disconnect with God. Where you've fallen in love with the things of this world so much that you've forgotten about God. And what he's saying is that it, there's no love inside of you. The love of the Father is not in you if you've fallen in love with this world. I believe we can do that on and off throughout our lives. Amen? I don't believe it's a one-time occurrence. I believe it's something we all have to keep in check from time to time. Amen? I'll give you an example. I, I started working in my barn yesterday. I started cleaning some things up, and I've been tossed for, for almost a year now about what I'm going to do with this barn. It's an old cypress barn, and it's got creosote timbers on the inside that are holding it up. And some of them are rotten, and it's going to take a lot of physical work to bring the barn back. I'd love to have a brand-new barn. But that takes a lot of physical money. <laughs> you follow me? So I'm, I'm battling whether I want to do physical work or physical money. Well, since I don't have the physical money, it looks like it's going, <laughs> it's going to be physical work. So I'm working in this barn, and me and Ethan had a little morning in the barn, and I'm going to sit down and try to finish up my message, and all I keep thinking about is the barn. 
Because for a year now, I've been trying to get a vision for this barn, and I'm, I'm a visionary person. And so I finally got the vision yesterday, and it's on my head, and I'm going to sit down to study the Bible and finish up my message, and I have a hard time getting rid of the barn. I fell in love with the barn. Are you seeing what I'm saying? That's what he means. Don't let these things take my place. Does he want me to have a nice barn? Absolutely. He wants you to be jealous of my barn. My barn's bigger than your barn. <laughs> he just doesn't want us to fall in love with it, amen? Let's go over to chapter 5 in, in 1 John. Chapter 5, verse 4. You getting something yet? Come on, I want us to live for Jesus. I want us to do great things on this earth while we're here for this short time so that when we get to heaven, there's going to be a rejoicing over us. Amen? I want, I want Jesus to be proud of us when we get to heaven. Are you hearing me? I don't want to have to give account for a bunch of bad things. I want our good things to totally outweigh the bad things. Amen? I want, to, I want us to walk into heaven one day and then people know our name and they say, Hey, Mamie, it's so good to see you, girl. We've been waiting for you. Shy, you did a good job. You know, they're going to speak a little French in heaven. Come on. Tony Sashries will be in heaven. Maybe even a little slap your mama. Chapter 5, verse 4. For every child of God defeats the, this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. <laughs> Did you hear that? We have defeated this world. You know what that means? We've defeated the power of this world that wants to reign over us. You follow me? The power of this world, its power over us has been broken. Okay? Let's keep it broken. Let's not return its power to it. Let's keep it broken. And he says, he says this, he says, and who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ was revealed as, as God's Son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross. Not by water only, but by water and blood. And the Spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony. So we have these three witnesses. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And all three agree, since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. Amen? So we've got victory over this world. Jesus Christ gave us victory over the power of this world. And let me show you how, how much power this world has. Go, to me, go with me to the end of the, uh, chapter 5, verse 18. Watch what the Bible says. When I, when I read this the first time, it opened up my eyes to things pretty drastically. Verse 18, he says, For we know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning, for God's son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. Come on. Some of you need to hang on to that. And the evil one cannot touch them. Are you hearing me? The evil one cannot touch you. God is holding you securely is what the Bible says. Watch this next verse. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. One translation says that the world is, is under the sway of the evil one. You know what that looks like to me when I read that the first time, the one that said sway? 
I want you to do this with me real quick. We're going to do a little exercise. I want you just to kind of sway with me. Come on. You got to get you. So no, you got to go with me. Don't go against me. Come on. I'm not going that fast. It's nice and easy. Come on. You're not there yet. Not everybody's there. I'm not stopping until everybody gets there. We could, we could sway all day, baby. Before you know, we'll get Alex on the drums. I might start beatboxing. No, I ain't going to do it. You see that? You see how the world is? Follow me? Do you, let me show you just a simple example. You see how dress fashion goes? Have you, do you, you pay attention to fashion? Usually what happens in California ends up over here by what? How, much, how long? Ten years. <laughs> Dear goodness, that's worse than I thought. It usually takes how much realistically? Come on, how long? About two years for that fashion to get over here. So when you go to California and you're wearing what you think is cool, it's gone. <laughs> They're like, what happened to you? Back to the future? You follow me? You see how that kind of works its way? And I'm, saying, I'm not saying fashion is evil, but all those things. You know in the church that somebody in California, and I'm just picking on California, they'll start preaching a certain thing about grace, and you watch it. In about two years or maybe a year, it's coming through the churches, and you start to see this little sway. It's a movement. I'm not saying that that's an evil thing, but I'm just trying to show you the sway. The world, the Bible says, is under the control or the sway of the evil one. You need to be aware of that. That's why it's important not to fall in love with the things of the world. Amen? That's why you hear me say that you need to have faith in God and not let your finances, or if something comes up and you're broke, you need to not let that care for this world. That's a worldly thing. Don't let that care take you away from Jesus. Are you hearing me? We got to be resilient and we got to remember who we are in Christ. Right? Come on, we are made right when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. When does that change? Good question, Pastor Jamie. When does that change? Does it ever change? God loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. Don't chase these things that the enemy is trying to get you to chase. Come on. He waves that bill out in front of you. He waves that addiction out in front of you. He waves those concerns out in front of you. See, the Bible says that he can't touch you, (laughs) but he can tempt you. And he sure likes to whisper, but his whisper is louder than the voice of God, right? It is. You know why that is? So that we'll pay attention to God and not the whisper of the enemy. Because you got to work to listen to God. You got to be intentional to listen to God. But the enemy speaks and he tries to throw things out in front of you. He knows your weakness. Come on, he's constantly trying to get you to chase rabbits. I've seen more people lose their soul by chasing things in this world chasing cares, chasing concerns, chasing other people. The world has power. Before you met Jesus, you was all up in that power. Right? I know I was. 
for we have victory, amen? We have victory, amen? We've been given victory. That power has been broken. It's broken. Say broken. broken. It's broken. We just got to walk in that. We got to remember that. We got to stand on that. You, that's why you, you got to be in the word of God. You can't live a Christian life and not be in the word of God. Why do you need the word of God? Because you need to feed your soul. You need to feed the spirit man inside of you. So when the flesh man wants to rise up, your spirit man can pimp slap him. <laughs> Sit down and shut up. So when your stomach starts growling, he says, shut up. Come on. When that addiction starts kicking in and you start, shut up. Feed the spirit, not the flesh. Come on. We want to walk in victory. We want to, we want to walk above and not below. Go with me to John chapter 17. Not first John, but regular John. Wow, this one opened up right to 17. That's pretty sweet. I like your Bible. I hope you don't. John chapter 17, starting at verse 15, Jesus speaking. This is actually Jesus praying. This is Jesus having a conversation with God. Look at what he says. I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Jesus is talking about the world. When he's talking to God, he's praying for his disciples and all the believers around him. He's saying, they don't belong to this world. The world hates them because they've been set free from the world. Follow me? People really didn't start hating you until you met Jesus. Come on. Seriously. They talk more behind your back now that you met Jesus than they ever did before. And if you're sitting here in denial that nobody talks behind your back, you need to wake up. (laughs) You just need to accept the fact that people talk behind your back. And you need to just go ahead on and get over it. He says they're hated because of the word that's in them. Watch this. He says, because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to this world. Watch what he says. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. We're not getting out of this world until Jesus returns. Right? The only way you're getting out of this rotten place is is when Jesus returns. Jesus said, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. I'm asking you to keep them safe from the evil one. Why did he say the evil one and not the world? Because the evil one is controlling the world. So he says, I don't want you to take them out of the world. You see, we used to believe in the church that when you, when you gave your life to Jesus, you need to just go ahead and separate from everybody and get in this little clique of Christians, and that's the only place you're supposed to be. You remember those days? You remember those teachings that used to come around? Oh, you got to get away from all those evil people. You know why the religious people had a problem with Jesus? Because he sat in the house of sinners and had supper with them and preached the gospel and loved on them. Religious folk had a problem with that because they believed that you had to get away from the world. You can't get away from this world. Right? So Jesus says, protect them and keep them safe from the evil one. Jesus knew that we needed protection. That's why he asked God to protect us. So if we need protection from the evil one, then that means that the evil one's all around us. 
Right? Have I scared you yet? You scared? Say you scared. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice to them so they, so they can be made holy by your truth. He said, you've given them your word. You've given them your truth. Send them into the world. You know what that means? You need to live life intentionally. Come on. We need to get up in the morning knowing that I work for the kingdom before I work for so-and-so. Are you hearing me? I work for God before I work for Creative Edge. Come on. Lord, what do you want me to do today? Lord, who do you want me to speak to today? How, how are you setting me up? What's today look like? Jesus said, I'm sending them into the world with a purpose and a mission. Right? What's that purpose and that mission? To bring people back into a relationship with God. How do you do that? You love them. You serve them. You speak the truth in love. You don't condemn them. You don't try to fix them. You just go and you love them and you speak the truth and you live a good life in front of them. You got to be a good example so that what you speak is true. Right? You can't live one way and speak the truth and expect somebody to follow you. If you got followers, you need to check them out because something ain't right. Keep them safe from the evil one is what, is what Jesus said. He's sending us back into this world to be on mission. Let's go to James chapter 4. That's what I'm talking about. You sneeze, sneeze. Listen, when my daddy sneezes, he'll full on knock the walls down. And I used, to, I used to laugh at him. I mean, it's like, it's like an eruption. And I don't know why I'm chasing this, but it's just. And so I, I'd make fun of him, okay, when he would sneeze at me. It'd be in a car when that happens, okay? I'd, we, we and Cheryl would laugh. We'd pick on him. I'm starting to sneeze like him. Be careful what you pick on. So where were we headed to James? Let's get busy. Thank you for sneezing like you felt it. I appreciate that. James 4, verse 4. <laughs> I, love the way, I love the way he starts this one. You adulterers. <laughs> oh, Lord, I love you, Lord. You adulterers. <laughs> what a way to start a sentence. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Who makes yourself? You make yourself. Come on, we make ourselves an enemy of God. You're in the condition you're in because of yourself and nobody else. Come on, I should have got a big old amen on that one because you know who you are and where you're at. If you're sick of yourself, you need to get past yourself. If you're sick of the conditions that you're living in, you need to get past yourself and you need to blame only yourself. Right? Why? Because he set you free. He's given you a new mind. He says you need to take on the mind of Christ and you need to get out of yourself. 
If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say the spirit of God has placed within us, that that was placed within us, is filled with envy? You know, the spirit of God that is inside of you is full of envy. You know why? Because we're constantly satisfying the flesh and not the spirit. Come on. Let's just get real honest. The spirit is envious of our passion for the world. It's envious for our love of the world and things and concerns. Right? So the Bible says this. Why, why, do, you, why do you think that the spirit inside of you is envious? Evidently, if he's envious, it's because you're putting your passions and your desires somewhere that they don't need to be. Amen? But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. A humble man is a man that knows he has faults, he has problems, and he walks in the flesh from time to time. A prideful man says that he has no problems, he's not addicted to anything, he has no struggles, he has no weaknesses. That's pride. God opposes that person. A prideful man can never get help from God. Because the Bible says that he opposes him. You know what that means to me? Stand up, Alex. That means this. That means that God opposes you. That wasn't an anointing. That was just he kind of. How was it? No. I mean, because we can start praying. It's kind of semi. You felt something? Okay. You did good with that. But God opposes the proud. You follow me? He pushes against the proud. But look at what he does for the grace. For the humble. He gives his grace. This is grace. He gives you a helping hand. He actually, he actually comes up alongside of you, and I believe he takes you. Come on, seriously. No, he ain't scared. He opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So what does that mean? When you stumble, you need to humble yourself before God. When you realize today that you've been falling in love with this world, you need to humble yourself before God and repent. Don't stay where you are. Come on. Don't stay where you are. You don't have to stay. You need to be like George and Wheezy. You need to be moving on up, baby. (laughs) Humble yourself. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So let me see if I can bring this to an end. Let me give you one more scripture. Matthew 16, verse 24 to 26. Watch this. Jesus speaking again. And Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross. And follow me. If you hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? What do you benefit? Look at me. Nothing. Nothing. You benefit nothing. 
you actually gain hell. The lake of fire, the burning pit of sulfur, the eternal hell. You follow what I'm saying? That's what you gain. Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Say all people. You fall in the category of all people. One day we're going to give an account for what we've done for our deeds on this planet. Are you hearing me? My purpose and my point is to scare you right now. We're going to give an account. The reason I preach hard and the reason I've been after you about this battle between the flesh and the spirit, come on, and the world and the spirit, and next week is going to be against Satan and the spirit. The reason I'm giving you this, the reason God gave me this and I'm giving this to you is because you need to walk in freedom from that so that you can do good deeds, so that you can be a weapon for good and not a weapon for enemies, so that when we get to heaven, come on. Man, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But listen to me, I'm going to die trying. Because I want to hear it. I want Jesus to be pleased with me. Amen? I'm made right with him, there's no doubt about that, but I want him to be pleased with me. I don't want to get to heaven one day and have to give an account for all the bad things I've done and how I was used as a weapon for evil. And, and the whole time I get to spend with Jesus is, is me trying to make excuses for why I live like I live and why I did what I did. I want to be free from that. I, I am free from that. I want to walk in that and live in that. Amen? So let me give you a couple of truths about the world, and we'll close it up with this. Loving this world makes you an enemy of, with God. First truth. Loving this world makes you an enemy of God. It's not if you have a nice house or a nice car, you're an enemy of God. Loving this world. I want to make that very clear today. God wants to bless his children, and he wants his children to look like they're blessed. Amen? There's nothing wrong with having nice things. There's just something wrong with loving those nice things. You see, when God blesses us, we should, we should live with an open hand, enjoying what he's given us, but knowing that he might call us to give it away at any moment. He might call us to do something else with it at any moment, not hanging on to those things. You see, we get in trouble when we hang on to those things, and they become more important than God, our reputation, our titles. Well, some of you get hung up on titles. Our appearance. Our checkbook, our neighborhood, don't get hung up on those things. I live knowing that one day I could be living in a trailer park. One day I could be living in a, in a, a full-on homemade shack. It don't matter. If God calls me to do that, I'm, I'm going to do it. Loving this world makes you an enemy with God. Number two. Love for this world shows that you not, do not have the love of the Father in you. <laughs> you know what that means? That means when you start freaking out when situations go wrong in your life, that shows people that, number one, you don't have much faith, and number two, you don't trust God. 
That, that's a hard statement, isn't it? That when you let the, the cares and concerns for this world wreck your life, you don't have the love of the Father inside of you. Because if you had the love of the Father, it doesn't matter what happens to you, you're going to keep on keeping on. You're going to keep running the race, right? Number three, we need protection from this world slash the evil one. We do. We need protection. You need to pray just like Jesus prayed. Lord, don't take me out of this world, but protect me from the evil one. That's part of the, the, uh, the, the, the example prayer that God, that Jesus gave to the disciples. You know what I'm talking about. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it goes on to talk about how to keep us from the evil one. We need to be praying for protection. The reason I lay hands on my wife in the morning most of the time is because I want her to be protected. <laughs> Sometimes I have other intentions. Maybe you didn't need to know that. <clears throat> We need protection from this world, from the evil one. Number four, this world is under the control of the evil one. That's what the Bible says. Make it very plain. The devil controls this world. We need protection from the devil. Why? Because he's walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for somebody to devour. He's looking to wreck your life. He's looking to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't let him. You know the Bible says that if you'll resist the devil, he'll flee from you? (laughs) Resist him. You know how God resists the proud? You remember this? How God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble? He says if you resist the enemy... He will flee from you. See, there's nothing but girls up here. I can't do that to them. Resist him. You know what that means? That when your flesh starts rising up and the, and the, 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 the I say impressions, but the, the influences of this world start coming against you. You might be going through something and people might be saying things to you. Man, you need to forget that. Dog, God ain't working, man. You need to do this. Those influences, when the pressure of your addictions, your your habits, your flesh wants to rise up and the world comes alongside of it with its influences, you got to either resist or you give in. Amen? And the Bible clearly promises us that if we'll resist, all you got to do is resist. Put your hand up and say, no. I've overcome certain sins in my life when I just said no. No, not anymore. Not today. You come back tomorrow, I hope I can say no again. No. Resist the enemy and he will flee from you. Resist your flesh, amen? Come on, we want to walk in victory, right? Come on, we're we're bringing honor and glory to God. We're the representatives on this planet. Come on, when people think of Jesus, they're looking at you. Come on. We don't need to fake it. We need to be it. Amen? Be a good influence. You need to be the influence in your workplace, not be the influencer. I guess that's right. Influencer. Influencee. I'm just testing you. 
That's, the Bible says God uses the foolish things of this world. That's me. Can we do this? Can we resist? Come on. You've already been given victory. It's already yours. You're already made right with God. All we got to do is resist. No. No. Say no to anger. Remember the say no to drugs thing? Say no to drugs. Seriously. Say no to anger. Say no to alcohol. Say no to bitterness. Say no to your flesh. Say no to gossip. Say no to, to, to wrath and trying to pay people back. Say no. I had a chance to witness to one of my employees this week. And he, he's from Mexico and he's a citizen of the U.S., but he can go back and forth. His family's still in Mexico. And he, when I first met him, he was a big guy, about my size. A very good concrete man. Spoke real good English. Worked for me for almost a year straight. Then all of a sudden, he started going back to Mexico and staying there for two or three months at a time. And then he would call asking for his job back. I was like, man, what's up with that? So kind of, you know, I'm like, dude, you either in or you're out. And so at first I was like, no, I don't want him back. So I left him in Mexico for about a year. And finally he asked to come back, and I said, okay, yeah, you can come back. So he came back and left again for two or three months. He'd come back for two or three months, leave for two or three months. And I noticed he started losing a lot of weight. I mean, he probably lost 50, 60 pounds. You know how you see when, when couples go through a divorce, usually the man loses a lot of weight, and even the women too. You know how that, you've seen that before? Due to stress. It was weight loss due to stress. And so this week, I, I kind of heard that he was having family problems, and that's why he was going back and forth to Mexico. And I was, I was standing by him and said, Cecil, how you doing, man? He said, I'm not, I'm not doing good. I said, I want to tell you why I've been missing work. I said, well, what's up? He said, my nephew raped my daughter. And I'm mad at my wife because she was there and she didn't do nothing about it. She, in other words, she was in Mexico. She, didn't, she wasn't there when it happened. But he got mad at her because she was the closest one to him. And she wasn't able to stop it. She wasn't able to protect it. She didn't even know what was going on. And then he said, I feel like, and I'm not going to say what he says, because I was here working, trying to make a living, and I wasn't there to protect my daughter. And he looked at me with the coldest look I've ever seen a man have. And he said to me, he said, I'm going to kill him. He said, I will kill him. He said, right now he's in the U.S. and I can't kill him in the U.S. But when he gets to Mexico, I will kill him. And I went, wow. I mean, I just, I, I just I melted right there. I was like, wow. My arms went numb and I was just like, man. I said, Cecil. I said, Cecil, honestly, I've often thought, Having two daughters, if that ever happened, what would I do? I said, I'll be honest with you, see, so I, I don't know what I'd do. I might really would kill somebody. I don't know. I hope I don't, but I don't know. I said, I feel your pain, man. I said, I understand what you're feeling about wanting to kill this person. And he was adamant, I'm going to kill him. I will kill him. I know how I'm going to do it. I already know how it's going to take place. I'm going to kill him. So I said to him, I said, Cecil, I hope when the time comes, 
One or two things happens. I hope either, number one, God already deals with him before you get to him. I said, or I hope that the grace of God overtakes you and you don't do that, even though you want to do that. I said, you need to let God bring justice on him and not you. And so I said to him, I said, Cecil, I said, God can heal your daughter. I said, he can heal your wife and he can heal you. He wants to do that. You just got to let him. I wish I could tell you we knelt down in the middle of 30 other Mexicans who were working and prayed, but we didn't. But you know what? I witnessed. I shared the love of Christ with him. Are you hearing me? I didn't let my flesh get in the way because you know what my flesh was concerned about? Whether or not I was going to get this thing, this building ready to pour for that night. And thank God I was led by the Holy Spirit that morning. Because I believe one day he's going to encounter his nephew. And I believe that the grace of God is going to overtake him. and He's not going to kill him. I'm believing that. You know why? Because I sowed a seed. You hear me? I sowed a seed. I was obedient to God. I was led by the spirit and not the flesh. Your obedience to God could possibly save somebody's life in the natural. And I hurt for him and I pray for him. I told him, I said, Cecil, I'm praying for you, man. God's going to heal it, man. Thank you. Thank you. You see why it's important to be led by the Spirit and not the flesh? You see why it's important to be a weapon for good and not a weapon for evil? You see why the Bible says that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control? We've got to walk in self-control. I, I thank God the Spirit led me to get it right this time because I've blown it a lot of times. Amen? Can you stand up with me this morning? If you're struggling with something this morning, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's as simple as can be and you're almost embarrassed because it's so simple or if it's something that you're embarrassed by because it's so extreme. I don't care what it is. If you're struggling with something this morning, I want you to come forward. I want, I want to lay this thing at the feet of Jesus this morning. Can we do that? I don't care what it is. If you got a problem gossiping, if you got a problem walking in a little bit of pride, man, come to the front and lay this thing down at Jesus' feet and let it crucify it this morning. Can we do that? So listen to me. As I pray, the altar's open. You can come to the front. If you need prayer from me or from anybody else, go to that person and say, hey, can you pray for me? Please just pray for me. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's powerful, more powerful than a double-edged sword, Lord. I thank you that you've pierced hearts this morning. Lord, I thank you that your word is piercing hearts right now. Lord, your word is truth, and truth is what sets us free, Father. Lord, set the captives free today. Set us free. Be free in the name of Jesus, I declare. Lord, help us to be people that are led by your spirit and not the flesh. You've given us victory already, Lord. Help us to hang on to that victory. Help us to walk in that victory, Lord. The world, your Bibles, your word says the world has already been defeated. Its power over us is gone. The power of the sinful nature, the power of the flesh has already been defeated. Help us to walk in it, Lord. Help us to resist the enemy, to resist the flesh, and to resist the world, Lord. Father, we lay it at your feet right now, Lord. Whatever it is we're struggling with, whatever it is we're dealing with, we lay it at your feet this morning. And Lord, I bless your holy and righteous name.
I thank you that you love us enough to give us truth, Lord. Your love is uncomparable, Lord. It's undeniable, Father. It's everlasting. It's pure and holy. I thank you this morning, Lord, for your power and your love and your grace. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. God bless you. You're dismissed. If you need prayer, if you need to come to the front, I mean, don't, don't hesitate. If you get to your car and you change your mind, come back in. I don't care. Those of you who are praying, you don't have to get up, but the rest of you, you're dismissed if you'd like to go. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll